on 96.7 on your FM dial, you are listening to QOL. Well, as you know, QOL deals with all things related to quality of life. My name's Hugh Cruzel, and as you know, you can be listening to radio. You could be listening synchronously to cklu.ca as well. Or podcasts are always available 365, 7 days a week, 24 hours a day. You can listen to any program you want. Well, hopefully you'll listen to this one. We don't understand the joy that trees can bring to us. And I think if you want to improve your quality of life and those who follow, you should plant a tree. (laughs) Bass, am I right? You got it. You got it. Yes, absolutely. Trees always bring me joy. (laughs) They do. And in fact, your company is called? Trees of Joy. Trees of Joy. Why? Why did you choose to call it that? To me, I mean, uh, looking at a tree, especially one that is that's loaded with fruit just brings me brings me joy it's something you could reach out and take the sweetness the, uh, the flavor you know the look of a tree just uh, any tree in general it's just there to bring us joy actually i know that you focus on on trees that deliver something nutritious to us in the larger sense though trees deliver a visual nutrition to us as well yeah absolutely the uh, the, the, the geometry of the tree is just beautiful looking at it looking at, at it through the, the seasons the in the spring it goes through the the changes of colors um, spring brings us the flowers the leaves and then the change of colors uh, and then there's those trees that are staying staying green all year round too so there's the, every every tree has its own character brings us the you know the way I look at it it brings me joy and I'm sure a lot of people when they see a tree you know it they may or may not even notice it actually brings us, you know, it's just like walking in the park. You know, you can't imagine a park without a tree. <laughs> so. Well, um, I, I know that there are different kinds of trees that even, I mean, if you go to Madagascar, there are trees that we might be puzzled by because they don't look like, I, mean, I think maybe there is a geographical sense to, if you live in, you know, Minneapolis, Minnesota, you you have a certain kind of tree in mind and a shape and a winter profile. And if you live up in Northern Ontario, the, the large trees that, you know, are coniferous, but they're deciduous too, you know, the, it, it's very much a geographical thing, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, it changes. Yeah. Every, every, uh, you know, like you could see a tree, uh, and you could re- recognize a place from a picture by looking at the trees in in that image. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like a Florida, for example, you get uh, the uh, palm trees there. The saw palmetto, even yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, every uh, tree, I guess, it also brings that the character of that location as well. Well, okay, let's uh, and Royal Palms definitely down Rodeo Drive and things like that. Uh, let's back up in time. I, I do this in every show. Bass, how on earth did you get involved in this business? I grew up as a, in, uh, overseas in, um, in Lebanon. I grew up in the city, in Beirut City, which is you know, not, not a whole lot of trees, not a whole lot of forest or, you know, surround, you know, surrounding the city any, anymore, basically. So I grew up there, but uh, I grew up uh, during the Civil War and uh, just, uh, you know, a lot of chaos and stuff. So I... Moved here with my family. I was uh, 14 years old in 1990s, early 1990s. So I moved moved to Pennsylvania. It was a culture shock to me. Uh, first of all, yeah, the, what got me into things eventually. You know, uh, I, I wanted to uh, eat fresh fruit, stuff that I used to eat as a kid, and I was really uh, 
supermarkets here. Back home, in the, on most of the Mediterranean countries as well, you know, the, the length of time it takes from the farm to table, usually within a day or two, mm-hmm. you get yeah. So the quality of fruit is fresh, it tastes good. Here, I, I found like the food has, uh, to me, it was like uh, insipid, had no flavor. And um, when I first got a, uh, got a small house with a garden, I started planting trees, fruit trees, especially fig trees, is figs of... Uh, is uh, one of my favorite uh, fruits, and uh, you know it's abundant in uh, my uh, home country. So uh, that was the first tree I grew. You know, from one one variety to another, I I started playing around with varieties, wanting to know what does best for for the climate here in uh, on the northeast of the United States. Start trying different varieties, and and little by little, I started getting more and more trees, and I found myself was like. Over a hundred varieties of fig trees. Uh, I got cinnamon uh, trees. I got uh, kiwis. I started planting all kinds of fruit trees. <laughs> so it just uh, it just happened. Just year after year, I started building a, a collection, and uh, I put a small greenhouse just for myself. So people, other people, heard that I have uh, varieties that do well for me and stuff, and they just were interested in that. So I'll, I'll pay you for it and. So I started selling small plants here and there, and then uh, kind of grew into a, a business venture. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now it's been um, going on uh, for about uh, 14, 15 years now. So. You, you are you are so well known in in this world of of figs that uh, that well. Let's face it. I mean, if I had said to you in nineteen seventy six, well. I don't know if you were around in 1976, but the American Bicentennial, if I had said to you, you know, people are going to grow figs in Boston and, and they're going to grow figs on Long Island, people would have said, yeah, you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we, we, uh, we're we lucky. I mean, where I live is that we have uh, uh, communities from um, Middle Eastern communities. We got Greeks, we got uh, Italians, um, Portuguese. Uh, so they're, they also... Um, you see a lot of fig trees in these neighborhoods where people uh, have, you know, have trees that they brought from back home at some point. So uh, they've also some of them got adapted to this area. Some of them didn't. You, you're, we're seeing a lot of a lot of people trying trying uh, different trees, different uh, fruit trees, different uh, things. Uh, that are not known to this part of the No. Uh, when I was a kid in Hamilton, New Jersey, the, the Italian community, well, I, I don't have to go that far, North York in, in Toronto area, they'd bring their fig trees out in buckets in, in these big bins or tubs in the month of, oh, I'd say, like April, start pushing the season a little bit, a bit of sunshine. And then by May, they'd be bringing them out and leaving them out overnight. And then they'd sit outside all summer. And along comes, you know, September, and you'd start wheeling them back into the garage. And uh, it was quite a process. I mean, in fact, you really nurtured these babies. Yes. Yeah, so especially, uh, yeah, and like if, uh, if you're out um, west, I mean, uh, like uh, in Vancouver, I believe, in Canada, they, it does very well outside. We had, we had fig trees in Souk, British Columbia, absolutely. We had a beautiful fig that we would actually uh, serve uh, figs for dessert during, during the time that there were figs. So you know, and uh, you know, just uh, just to show you how much joy those fruit bring to the people that they actually go uh, the extra mile and and uh, grow them in tubs and 
they got to protect them in, uh, in garages over winter or somewhere that is cool uh, and it keeps them dormant and then they take them out in the spring and then you got to keep them Wake watered. Them up. So it's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, you got to care for it to actually produce an abundance. But, but some places they actually are growing out in the garden. And I, I mentioned about Souk, British Columbia. You mentioned Vancouver. I have seen fig trees... How big is your operation now? Are you selling uh, across America? You know, my nursery, uh, yeah, I, I sell potted plants. I ship uh, throughout the U.S. Uh, basically it's to Canada. I only ship with uh, you know, larger orders that with a, with a certain certificate. So, yeah, and uh, basically the, my operation grew a little bit uh, much bigger. Than <laughs> much, much bigger. Yeah, the so, fact that uh, the fact that you make news now, and th- that you've got cedars of Lebanon or almost cedars of Lebanon as well. Yes, yeah, cedar of Lebanon. Being uh, I'm a Lebanese uh, man, <laughs> uh, my yeah, I wanted to um, badly grow a cedar tree, and I could not find a tree anywhere. And I had to kept I kept trying to grow them from seeds, and it took me a long time to understand how it grows. And yeah, and um, I uh, I grow cedar trees, cedar of Lebanon trees. Those are uh, uh, rare trees here in the states. Uh, in uh, in Canada, I'm sure they they probably will struggle to grow in Canada, uh, but probably they'll do much better in some areas where temperature don't drop below minus 25 uh, Celsius. <laughs> Well, I think it was plus 25 here today, but I will tell you there are days when it's minus 40 up here in northern Ontario. So yeah. uh, cedars of Lebanon would definitely struggle. But these are, how many cedars of Lebanon, truly the iconic ones, are left around, not so much Beirut, but south of Beirut to uh, Sidon? And they're the iconic tree of Lebanon. Are they endangered? They were at some point. Um, there, now, there has been a lot of uh, efforts to bring it back. For reforestation of those uh, hills that became somewhat bare, yeah, there. You know, like I've been, I visited the uh, the uh, forest that they call it a forest, and you go there, there's only like a pocket pocket of trees of forest left, and uh, some of the trees are aging about two thousand years old, and they're, they're still around. They're they're growing, and uh, there's some some of them got affected by diseases. Um, and, and so on, and there's a lot of effort right now to, you know, to uh, combat the diseases that, you know, like uh, they're getting insects that are coming from, um, you know, Eastern Asia. Right. And uh, and so it's it's definitely uh, it's it's endangered in, in a way, um, but it's definitely uh, uh, they're doing the efforts to bring it back. Well, like the emerald ash borer that's come here from uh, Eurasia. Now, bringing the cedar of Lebanon to North America, that must have been quite a lot of hoops, uh, USDA, I mean, monitoring, uh, you know, and all the other things. And then, of course, shipping to Canada. Ooh, I, I, it's not an easy task, is it? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's much easier for me to get them as seeds and, and start them than bringing as plants. You don't want to introduce any... Uh, bugs in here and uh yeah i mean i if i'm shipping to canada or another state they all have to be treated um for any insect or diseases before <laughs> so where now i mean california would be a natural place to i mean california is vast so many different biomes but where are people buying and planting cedars of lebanon um so um they're growing anywhere on um 
in the states from um, eastern part of the United States. I've had them in Ohio and um, and uh, different places all the way to California, Washington state. So uh, the and I'm, last uh, two years ago, I had a I had a um, interesting um, fellow Lebanese uh, friend that actually um, was doing a trip across uh, towns that named Lebanon and. I was actually shipping him plants of cedar of Lebanon. He was planting them almost in every uh, town named Lebanon, and that was uh, that was one of his uh, road trips that he wanted to do is plant a tree. Well, uh, that's marvelous because I know there's a Lebanon, New York. There's a Lebanon. I didn't realize there were that many Lebanons, but in fact, that's how I read about you initially was yeah. when I found out that this project had gone on. It, it, it's. Um, the Lebanese community is quite strong in America, as it is in Canada. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So uh, I believe the town's named Lebanon um, after uh, the biblical uh, name in the Bible, and that that was referring to the mountain, uh, which Mount Lebanon uh, in the Older Testament. And there's a lot of, uh, and it, it's described as uh, it was a beautiful place. You know, it was a lush green place uh, uh, surrounded by, um, you know, arid uh areas uh, back then, and that was always described as a beautiful green uh, um, green uh, mountains and covered with forests of cedar of Lebanon was a magnificent scene back, back in dis- those old days, I would bet. <laughs> there were distinct pyramid, pyramid, I can't even say the word properly, pyramidal? Uh, no, that's not right. Pyramidal. Pyra- you tell me how to say that. <laughs> yes, so it's like a, a pyramid shape. Yes, yeah. or yeah. triangle. The way they spread is uh, magnificent, and they they can reach. Um, I'm not sure in the meters, but they're about 150 feet or more, um, and uh, they spread. That the branches um, they start it starts uh, growing at certain points. Um, you know, when the, the tree is young, it starts growing tall, and then it reaches a point where it starts growing wide. And the nice thing about it is the, the branches. Um, that's the, that's the character of the cedar of Lebanon is the branching a habit, which is very wide and flat branches. And when it uh, gets snow, uh, the way the snow actually sticks on the tree is just really beautiful. Well, every Lebanese restaurant I've ever been in usually has a, uh, a colored photo that's a bit faded, and there's a picture of the cedars of Lebanon with snow on them. And, and it's just... So let's talk about quality of life here. Is... It for Lebanese families and perhaps Syrians and others, almost essential for them to desire to one grow figs and two to have a perhaps a cedar of Lebanon growing as a feature tree in their garden. Um, well, uh, cedar trees are uh, uh, unless they have the room uh, for it, they probably uh, they're not going to plant it. But yeah, figs. I'm telling you, like almost every. Every house, every Middle Eastern house here, uh, in, in that I know in my area, that uh, will have a fig tree at some point. <laughs> but maybe uh, cedars of Lebanon are more for arboretum, arbor, whatever a plural of arboretum, arborita. Uh, so that would be a classic statement about where Amer- the mosaic of being American. Yeah, uh, yeah. Cedar of Lebanon will, will basically require a lot more room, obviously, uh, to grow and. Uh, You'll see them in the people that have bigger properties, and a lot of the churches um, will will uh, grow them because it is a biblical 
of, uh, of I forgot this one show that always shows that Spills Castle, uh, the uh, the Abbey. Oh, I forgot the name of that show, uh, but they always show you that uh, theater of Lebanon in the front of that castle in the UK. Hmm. Well, Bass, is there a distinct aromatic? I, I've been reading Harold McGee's book called Nosedive about about. Aromatics and experiences, and how it triggers memories of things. Is the the cedar of Lebanon like the white pine? It's got its smell, and and you take the red pine. It's got its bark and its sap is different. And you go over to a, a hemlock, and that's different. Is the cedar of Lebanon? Um, does it have an essence? It, it does. It is very aromatic, like you said. Um, now the wood does not decay, and that's known for it. And uh, um. And, uh, mentioning the, the biblical too, uh, it was um, mentioned that they used the oil of the cedar of Lebanon in, in certain uh, um, in certain ceremonies or in rituals uh, back in the in the temple, the Solomon Temple. It was uh, they used even the wood of the cedar of Lebanon. Um, you know, was was cut down from Lebanon and brought to Israel back on these days, and it was used to build the temple. So. Um, yeah, the wood is, uh, is it has a nice essence, and it does not decay. They even found uh, fragments of the wood in uh, in Egypt, in, uh, in inside one of the uh, uh, you know the pyramids, even. Hmm. Well, I'm actually holding a piece of Douglas fir right now, but the fir tree that it came from is it has been split by lightning has been attacked by insects is is being swarmed in fact by other trees and being dominated but of course the hand of man on the west coast is also taking this these virgin trees um was the cedar of lebanon harvested like like for wood and for wasn't it used by the the phoenicians for for ships it, it was uh yeah it is a heavy uh wood so I'm not sure how how much of it was used in building ships, but it definitely was um, certain part of the ship actually that was used um, because again it doesn't decay um, like other type of wood. Um, but yeah, it is. Uh, it is also I believe uh, heard stories where the, in the, during the Ottoman Empire they even used them. Uh, they cut down a lot of the wood that was used in construction and later um, for fueling uh, the trains. That's terrible, actually, if you think about it. You know, I realize there's actually a gentleman I follow on on Twitter, and he uh, he talks about how um, for 40 years this one man would go into the into the swampland, uh, into the desert or wherever it was in in Pakistan, and he would they always wondered where he went, and every day he went with a basket. But inside the basket was a tree from somewhere else that he was taking. He built a forest. Um, Bass, are you building for us? Indirectly? <laughs> uh, indirectly, yeah. So I'm spreading it. Um, I'm sp- spreading to people who are uh, themselves planting it. And uh, I guess I'm encouraging people to plant their own forest, their little forest, uh, around the around the states and around the world, basically. <laughs> Do you, has the government of Lebanon, I mean, let's, there aren't many people doing what you're doing. You are unique in the world, especially unique in America. Unless I've missed it, are there others doing what you're doing? Um, well, I mean, there's, I'm, I'm sure there's people that do uh, uh, do different things uh, with uh, the trees and uh, spreading them that they love the trees. And, and there's 
lot of people, even in Lebanon, I've, I've seen documentaries, I've never met uh, people personally, but I know people there that I, I really uh, love what they're doing in, in, in planting the forest, they're encouraging, they're getting volunteers, they're going into the, the hills in Lebanon and planting those trees. Every fall they go in and they replant them. And they had fires and everything like that, and after the fire they go back and then they start planting cedar trees and other trees that are native to that area originally they start planting them i really i really uh, uh love what they what they do um, if, so they're, they're doing it on, on a different level um actually what i'm doing is basically um basically sharing what i like uh with uh, you know the joy of trees with other people around this uh around the, the country here you know yes definitely so um has the government of lebanon decided to give you an award and uh, if not them, how about the government of America saying, you know, uh, recognizing your contribution? Uh, not yet, I guess. Maybe that would be nice. I, I know. Uh, I mean, I was a proud my, my proudest minute, minute here um, doing was what I'm doing here was when I went to the UN um, uh, representing uh, the the United Nations. Um, uh, well, actually, the Lebanon mission to the United Nations. And uh, we planted the cedar of Lebanon in the garden of the U.S. United Nations uh, headquarters in, uh, in New York City. That's so, fantastic. Uh, what year was that? That was about three years now. And have you have you got a, a webcam that's that's monitoring its growth and and listening to it every day? Every time a friend of mine that goes there, every time someone that goes there, I know <laughs> I ask them to take a picture of it and see how it's doing. It's growing. Well, how quickly? Uh, let's let's talk about that. Uh, in fact, I, I had another thing. You were talking about fires. Is the cedar of Lebanon fire? When you go to the Muir Woods in California, north of San Francisco, you can see the fire scorching that happened. But the the thickness of the bark, the the resistance of 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 um, there's all kinds of uh, phytochemicals and things to resist insects. Is the cedar of Lebanon very much like that? Is it fire resistant? Is it insect resistant? I don't know about if it's a fire resistant uh, or not, honestly, but I know it's not an insect resistant to uh, certain certain insects right now. I know that the being in, uh, infestations, infected, uh, some trees are infested by by it in Lebanon. So, but I know uh, fires can really, uh, I mean, could burn a whole tree down, and once once it's burned, I don't think it will sprout again. No, no. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a concern, definitely, because uh, the planet is, in many areas, is drying considerably. Uh, we've seen the big fires in California. You know, with your hundred varieties of, of figs, um, let's just go back to that problem, because the cedar of Lebanon is really just one species, one variety, right? Uh, yes, yeah, so there are subspecies of cedar, um, or cedars, um, that's very similar to Lebanon. Uh, to Cedrus, uh, Cedrus Libani is the is the Latin name for it. Um, there's subspecies of it. There's uh, Cedrus brisifolia, uh, which is uh, uh, it's a cypress cedar, and there's a Cedrus um, there's a Cedrus atlantica, which is the Atlantic. Uh, the Atlas cedar is uh, is is probably Morocco. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Sorry, I, I was going to go to the figs, but I have to do this. Bass, what's your actual education? Where do you actually come from? <laughs> so I am. Um, I'm actually more into. Um, I'm a, an electronics major. I, I work with uh, the, a company, uh, Apple, uh, and uh, it 
And we've never heard of Apple before, by the way, folks. <laughs> Uh, funny, that's an uh, apple tree, by the way, uh, there, Bass. You know that. And and your name, Bass, is there's a Bass tree, too. Uh, yeah, so my my name actually short for Bassam. Um, uh, Bassam is, uh, yeah, but I go by Bass. So. <laughs> but yeah, there is Bass tree, too. <laughs> so you work for Apple, but this is, this is a passion project. It is. It is something, um, like I said, I started doing this on uh, either side of, it was a hobby, and it became uh, it became uh, more of a business, uh, and it's growing, um, and I'm continuing with it, and uh, yeah, I'm branching out into different uh, trees as well. <laughs> you said branching just so well. <laughs> <laughs> You're branching into other other trees. There are many trees that have been forgotten uh, here in Canada. A lot of our maple, the 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 classic maple emblem, is actually Norway maple. Did you know that? Um, it does look similar. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't aware. Of it's that. actually an invasive species here in Canada. We really shouldn't have it. Our real tree is the sugar maple, Ice yeah. or Sicarum. It, Bass, what, do you, what else are you getting into now? Uh, well, other uh, than figs and cedars, I also um, into like native uh, American fruit, that pawpaw. The pawpaw, yeah. of course, also known as jackfruit. Um, it's, uh, no, uh, pawpaw is... Um, they call it uh, different names, but also, but it's, uh, it's the American uh, papa. You're thinking of the papaya, maybe. Ooh, I'm, I'm thinking of the one that I've seen in the Caribbean. But you know what? Yeah. We're not just in Canada. We're just not so used to. Uh, I know that many people are trying to do nut trees here. Are you doing nut trees too? Uh, not, not much. No, no. Uh, nut trees uh, definitely uh, uh, require a larger land, uh, maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, I was thinking the butternut. I've got five butternuts, which are just on the edge. We're here on the edge of the Carolinian forest. Yeah. Uh, so what what else are you getting into? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, growing growing uh, fruit trees that actually uh, not very popular um, around the years or seeing them fold and, uh, and soar. So I, I grow also persimmon trees. Um, probably heard of persimmon. Um, oh, very much so. Love them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's different types out there. There's a native persimmon that we grow, that grows, uh, you know, here is uh, the called the American persimmon, and there's uh, the Asian species that, and there's some of crosses between the two that actually makes nice sized fruit. And how about mulberry? That was a very uh, uh, um, historic tree. Are you doing any mulberries? They can be beautiful. Uh, incredible Bassam, I, I have to uh, uh, congratulate you on congratulate you on your your efforts to do something amazing and and as you approach retirement is this going to be even a greater passion project I, I might I might I might do something different um, you know as a you know if I retire from my my normal job and I could certainly see myself uh, sitting somewhere with a garden full of your children. <laughs> They're your children. Bassam, remind the audience, we actually haven't actually said, I can't say remind because we haven't done it yet. Where do people find your trees, your garden center? I'm in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, you 
you could visit treesofjoy.com. Um, it's in, uh, I'm in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. How appropriate in some ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, we don't know Pennsylvania perhaps as well here in Canada. I mean, we passed through it on our way to somewhere else. We passed through King of Prussia on the way to Philadelphia. We we go through the top of the Keystone State. Um, you know, I really do, uh, fa- I, I have to congratulate you for your efforts in doing something amazing in America. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. De- Bassam, our guest today here on QOL, and my name's Hugh Cruzel, and as you know, you could be listening to CKLU 96.7 on your FM dial. You could have been listening to CKLU.ca as well, or you could listen uh, to podcasts anytime at your convenience, 365, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Well, you won't want to listen all 24 hours, but this is Hugh Cruzel, and you can join us anytime you wish, this week, next week, tomorrow, tonight. Bye for now, folks.